You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Monday edition. We're breaking down everything we saw from the NFL Sunday in Week 10. Oh, we get to about half of the games from Sunday. We'll save some for tomorrow to break down, including Monday night football, which is 49ers Rams. And Matt, I think actually the first place we should start is some news happen with that game. We'll get that out of the way first before we dive into these Sunday games with Odell's actually going to see the field and what kind of at first when I heard the news of the Robert Woods torn ACL I thought that maybe they this happened the day before at practice and the Rams knew about this and that's what led to the Odell stuff and them maybe being a little more aggressive but that's not the way it happened what like how fortuitous is this for the Rams for the next day at practice they lose their wide receiver to a torn ACL for them to have already signed Odell Beckham and if he signs somewhere else, now you're down Deshaun Jackson, you're down your second-round pick in 2-2 Atwell, and then you're down Robert Woods. So Van Jefferson likely will get most of those targets, I think, but it sounds like Odell's going to suit up, and he's going to play in some capacity Monday night. Yeah, pretty exciting, and I was the same way. Like, as soon as the Woods news hit, I'm like, oh, okay, that adds up. I mean, because before it was like the Rams. I thought it was going to be the Packers or Saints, whoever. You know, it's like, and I kind of washed it away of, well, they'll probably play more four receiver sets. They live in 11 personnel, so you need a fourth. Um, but, you know, I didn't think, boy, that, that they were unhappy with Van Jefferson or anything like that. He's been really good. No, they just kind of added an extra little thing and played some defense against Green Bay, I think. And then, boom, they had a, a plan in place for this, which is kind of like what we were saying is, well, you need four if you're going to live in 11. Who knows who's going to get hurt? And then, boom, the next day. That's crazy. And the Rams, I believe, lead the league in empty formations as well. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Odell Beckham as the season moves along. Do not know how much he's going to be on the field, but uh, Van Jefferson, big stock up for him at this point because even if Odell plays a lot, Van Jefferson's also going to see the field a lot now. And he's he's the most similar guy to Robert Woods anyway. Van Jefferson's a very similar style guy, height, weight, speed, uh, the the way he wins, the type of prospect he was coming out. So that's almost a very easy... You'd like to have Robert Woods if you're the Rams, but it's a very easy one-to-one switch, I think, to go to Van Jefferson for that offense. Yeah, I've always thought Jefferson was drafted to be Woods' replacement. You know, I mean, good with the ball in his hands, sharp route runner. Dad was a wide receiver's coach or is a wide receiver's coach. Good speed, not elite, you know, wins with body control, routes, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's an obvious, you know, uh, you know transition from Woods to um, Jefferson probably going forward, maybe even starting next year full time. And Beckham, when right, does a little bit of everything. Right, absolutely. So we'll see how that Rams team looks. The biggest change in this Monday Night Football game is going to be on the defensive side of the ball with the debut of Von Miller. Okay, Uh, and we'll cover that game tomorrow. Let's jump into these Sunday games. Uh, I want to start with this one. What what to make of rookie Mac Jones taking the early lead as far as those first-round quarterbacks go? 45 points on that Cleveland Browns defense. I started Cleveland Browns defense in what, and maybe the Peacock and Williamson Fantasy Football League. Like, that's how much I thought this was going to go the other way, at least as far as the Browns defense goes. 45 to 7. The Patriots have put up some points now. They're second in the league in point differential behind the Buffalo Bills. And Baker Mayfield 
on the other side, that's not a great situation. Mac Jones, only four incompletions on the day. Look, he wasn't slinging the ball all over the place. He was throwing a lot to his running backs. Maybe some, uh, maybe there's a little bit too much made of Mac Jones here, but he's clearly keeping his head above water and playing uh, a good brand of Patriots football there, an efficient brand of football for that Patriots offense. 45 points, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I played against the Browns defense in my main league and thought, ah, they're going to definitely put some points up because, I mean, Friday, uh, my prediction was, I'll take whoever's getting points in this game. Just give me the under. I don't see any points being scored. Two grinded out type of teams. Well, that was half true. <laughs> I mean, one team was really struggling. I mean, the, the Patriots had 10 more minutes of possession. Their defense is really getting strong right now and starting to really find itself. The whole team starting to find itself. They had almost 250 more yards from scrimmage than the the Browns and Mayfield was uncomfortable the whole time. And there wasn't a lot of running lanes and really did a nice job on Garrett and Clowney and that group. And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Mac Jones, how can you not bring him up? And his stats aren't gaudy. They probably never will be, but he's very efficient, as you mentioned, and he absolutely looks like he belongs and is very, very comfortable. And from what I understand with the Patriots system, they put a lot on their quarterback. You know, like everything goes through the quarterback in that system. He has a lot of responsibilities, a lot of freedom, probably not to the Brady level, of course, but in that vein, you know, where it's not um, Sean McVay, you know, telling them what to do up until the, 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 the headset shuts off, you know, like they, they have put a lot on Jones's plate and he is eating it up. There might be a little bit more there with Mac Jones. He does throw, you know, a semi decent deep ball. He's not, he doesn't have a cannon arm or anything. And he's not really making, he's not slaying the ball all over the place, right? He only threw for 198 yards and he did have the three touchdown passes, but it's just, yeah, going through the progressions, he's just already looking like the veteran player. And look, this was the scouting report all along. If you asked, okay, which, which quarterback is going to look the most pro ready, the most NFL ready, the earliest in their career, you would have said, oh, it's Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence, basically, right? Those would be the two guys. And then the other three first round quarterbacks, uh, Trey Lance going to take a while. Justin Fields might take a little while, but he's probably going to show up earlier than, say, Trey Lance because Trey Lance uh, just doesn't hadn't played a lot and played at a lower level of football. And then it might take a little bit of time with uh, Zach Wilson as well at number two. So Mac Jones is probably the guy. Maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling, but the floor is pretty high and we might see him play well early. So that's what we're seeing right now. It's just happening so early with some other quarterbacks not looking great. And I think there might be a little bit of overreaction to Mac Jones right now because we've got to wait a while and we've got to wait into next year to see what these other rookie quarterbacks do. But it's it's pretty clear that right now Mac Jones is exactly who the Patriots hoped he was going to be. And he has become that very early, which is extremely promising. But let's let's pump the brakes on uh, grading these rookie quarterbacks quite yet. Yeah, 100 um, percent. One thing I didn't mention to you off the air, but I saw we got a tweet from a listener was hey, we know a lot now, that more than we did on draft day. If you were to redraft this quarterback class, how would you do it? And let's do that Wednesday, maybe. Maybe we'll do a segment okay. of just you know, where, what you thought of them then, what you think of them now. And to your point, 
Mac Jones has been tremendous. I say good things about him, but if he was with the Bears or the Jets, it probably wouldn't go quite this way. And we'll talk about that Wednesday. Absolutely. I like that a lot. Yeah, let's do that Wednesday, and maybe we'll see Trey Lance sneak onto the field on Monday Night Football, get a little bit more yeah, of a sample helpful. size with him. And, and obviously, we've got the least sample with Trey Lance so far of those first round quarterbacks. We could even throw, you know, Davis Mills in there if you think if you think some yeah, of the other played. quarterbacks should go higher even than one of those guys. Um Ramondre Stevenson, that's another big story from this football game. Twenty carries, hundred yards, a couple of touchdowns, five yards per carry there with Harris out uh, looking the part and um just basically New England had their way. Running the ball, throwing the ball with efficiency, a total route of the Cleveland Browns. Are you worried about the Cleveland Browns right now, Matt? Yeah, a little. Um, I also wanted to th- you throw out Stevenson. I just want to mention the name Kendrick Bourne because I kind of laughed at that when they gave him the money they did. But he's been pretty useful and played a big role in this game. Whew, I mean, the Browns only threw for 118 yards. And Mayfield isn't right. I don't think he's a tremendous player when he is. Um, their drop back passing game just leaves a lot to be desired. This is not an Odell-related statement, but they don't have a guy. You know, I mean, when things are going good, I say things like, boy, they spread the ball around the Hooper and Landry and Peoples-Jones and the Joku, and that's great. But who scares you? Not much. Not much at all. You know what's odd about Kendrick Bourne is I don't know what the secret sauce was for a short time there at Eastern Washington University, but Kendrick Bourne and Cooper Cup were teammates. Oh, yeah. And... They both can just get open and catch the ball. Like, there's nothing special height, weight, speed about those guys. They're not making huge plays down the field, but they've got some ball skills. They're good in the red zone. Uh, they don't have give you a ton after the catch. They just get open and catch the football, which is like the most, and they have ball skills. Like, the most overlooked thing sometimes when evaluating wide receivers, oh, how fast is he? How tall is he? And and all these other things. And, and wow, look what he can do as a returner at the college level. And look at all this athleticism and running around guys like they're standing still. And it's like, just find me some guys who can get open and catch the ball. Yeah, that's a great point. And I wonder, I mean, I have no clue. I've just been around the game for a while now. Like, do they have some wide receiver coach that was a GA last year who's 27 years old and 15 years from now will be like, oh, that guy's the head coach at Michigan in, in the national title game and got to start way back when. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, somebody out there probably follows the Eastern Washington program closer than we do. What was going on with that coaching hope. staff a few years ago and where are they now? That's a great question. <laughs> that's just how this world works you know like oh, some yeah. up-and-comer was a ga and he's the, not the next nick saban but he's some next great coach and that's where he got to start you know all right we'll get some, some more of these games a couple blowouts with the bills and the cowboys and how about this one next washington knocking off those tampa bay buccaneers coming up folks does this sound familiar you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff well i want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your tv together it's called direct stream and it brings you live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows, whatever you want, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and the mess and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Um, You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. 
First, Matt, as we break down these football games from Week 10, the bad news in the Washington win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is a a fear-torn ACL. We don't have MRI results quite yet that I have seen, but the initial fear is, according to Ian Rappaport, that Washington defensive end, second-year player Chase Young, who was, I mean, what a rough season, already having Uh, a disappointing year in his sophomore season. It's feared that he has a torn ACL, and so we'll find out probably later today, but likely that knocks him out for the season and puts the start of his 2022 season in doubt. Yeah, strange, because, I mean, he is a rare talent, and if we were building NFL teams off of what they will do in the future, he would be one of my first picks. But he hasn't been great this year, you know, and we've talked about that for a couple of reasons. I think he runs past the quarterback too much. I mean, he hasn't strung together moves that well. He was kind of getting by on traits as a rookie. But their defense played really well. I mean, this is probably their best defensive effort of the year. Both these teams coming off a bye. I think that's noteworthy. Brady threw two first-quarter interceptions that really just put them in a hole. And it kind of showed to me that Godwin wasn't 100%, no AB, no Gronk. Didn't run the ball well. The Washington D-line held up very well. Um, You started to see some plays from Gibson, which was promising. Maybe he's back to as close to 100% as he's going to be. Heineke probably played his best game, and I think we got a tweet saying, is Heineke the man? Does Washington need to look for quarterbacks anymore? Like, I don't know about that. But um, I would have to rewatch this snap for snap, but it sure seemed like Washington was a better team without question. But I also think that Tampa didn't bring their their A game. Yeah, the story of this game is the the interceptions from Tom Brady and Tampa getting in a hole and Washington just utilizing that and, and handing it to Antonio Gibson 24 times, even though it was only 2.7 yards per carry. He powered it into the end zone. He had a couple of touchdowns on the ground. That was just, you know, Ron Rivera, football one-on-one. Let's get, on the, let's get the lead and let's sit on it. And Taylor, Taylor Heineke gets to tell his kids and his grandchildren that he outdueled Tom Brady on this day. So props to him. 26 of 32 passing. He had the touchdown pass, no interceptions, a 110 quarterback rating. Tom Brady, the two picks on the other side, 23 of 34 passing. And, you know, not an awful, awful day for Tom Brady, but it was not enough. And there was a point in this game where there was a 40-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans. And Mike Evans, even though all those other things we talked about, uh, with Gronk out and A.B. out, still only two catches and three targets on the day. But yeah. he had this 40-yard touchdown reception on uh, the left sideline. It was such a great read and throw by Tom Brady. He's getting out quick, and Evans was wide open. Touchdown was like, okay, here it is. This is where Tampa Bay you know, steps on the accelerator and wins this game in the second half. And it just never happened to Washington's credit. So big win for Washington, who improved to 3-6. and six. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now kind of in the similar spot they were last year at 6-3. and three. Remember, they started slow, though, last year and then came on strong and became the best team in the NFL and won the Super Bowl. But now at six and three, they're kind of doing the opposite where they started out strong. And now it's like, okay, are we seeing some warts in this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team? Yeah. And you mentioned last year, I think it's newsworthy or noteworthy that these two teams played in the postseason last year. And before a lot of people had ever heard the name Tyler Heideke and they, they gave the, the box a pretty tough matchup. I mean, they were huge dogs in that game. And I was just reviewing the team stats here and, This doesn't blow me away, but it's a massive discrepancy. I mean, Washington basically doubled Tampa Bay's uh, time of possession. It was pretty much 40 to 20. I mean, you rarely see that kind of difference in a game like this. They had the ball the whole time. Right, yeah, and Tampa gets the ball or gets behind 
in the first half, so they throw more, run less, yeah. and they're already skewed to the, the passing side of things. And then the Washington football team's doing the opposite and running the heck out of the ball, 34 total carries. And how about this, actually, for a stat line that tells the story of the game? Tampa Bay's defense, Devin White, 18 total tackles. Levante Whoa. David, 14 total tackles. Uh, safety, Antoine Winfield, 11 total tackles. So that, that tells the story of uh, what the Washington was trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, playing a lot of snaps and having to make a lot of plays. Wow, I, I didn't realize that. But no, this is a step in the right direction for Washington. I don't think they can be a postseason candidate, but string a few wins together here and see what happens. Yeah, and you know, play an efficient brand of ball and get an early lead. I think most NFL coaches would love to have uh, a first half lead, and then they can do what they want to do in the second half and and, and dictate the game. And I think that's what we saw there. And if they played this yeah. game a hundred times. The Bucks would win 70 of them, right? But the, this one is the oh, one yeah. that Washington won. Yeah, right. And the script went their way, and they played well and didn't make a lot of mistakes. Heineke deserves a pat on the back as well. Good work. This NFC playoff picture, Matt, is insanely interesting. The 4-4 four and four Falcons went to Dallas and just got the doors blown off. 43-3. to three. The <laughs> yeah. Falcons don't look like a playoff team, even though they're in that mix. Even still, after this loss, the Cowboys improved to 7-2. and 43-3, 29 second quarter points for the Cowboys. Uh, Dak Prescott getting back on, uh, but they ran the ball well. Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Both of them mixing in there. A couple touchdown passes from Dak Prescott. 9 of 21 passing from Matt Ryan on the other side with a pair of interceptions. Josh Rosen even made an appearance in this game. And he was worse than his small sample. One completion out of six for him with an interception. So, I mean, Josh Rosen's career. Like, how how bad can it be for a guy in such a small sample for Josh Rosen? Like, everywhere he goes, he's bad and teams don't want him. Man. Right. Um, and it's like, okay, Josh Rosen, here's a blowout. Let's get in the game. He, completes one pass and has an interception in six attempts. Yeah, uh, this is another one that was <laughs> too many blowouts. I mean, the, the one o'clock slate wasn't great viewing all in all. Uh, they almost doubled Atlanta's time of possession, similar to the game I just mentioned, not quite to that degree. Dallas won the turnover battle three to one. Uh, the game was over at halftime, 36 to three or 36 to three. Yeah, at halftime in this game, um, Dallas totally dominated I didn't exactly do great on my Friday picks, but this was one I felt really strong about laying the points. I just think Dallas is, you know, stubbed their toe last week, but that's not who they are. CeeDee Lamb uh, was uh, active in that first half, a couple of touchdown passes, six catches there leading the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard, six receptions as well to go along with his uh, team-leading 42 rushing yards. So, yeah, it's fun to watch Tony Pollard get in the mix there because he's so explosive and he's very different than Zeke Elliott. I like that one-two punch there for the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. I mean, there's no shortage of firepower when Dak is right and you got Lamb and you got Cooper and you got Gallup and you've got a two-headed monster with Pollard's speed and Zeke Elliott being an every do-everything back. I mean, that is just a lot of talent for the Cowboys on offense. And, oh, yeah, their defense held the the Falcons to, to three points and with the Falcons trying to throw and come back, it just gets too easy. So yeah. yeah. Uh, get an early lead. If you're an NFL football team, that's my best advice on this Monday. Yeah, it's huge. Game trips important. Um, from what I saw, lamb was really carving them up out of the slot in particular. Another blowout here. Let's get to this one with the bills. 45, 17 over the jets. And this went about exactly as we projected if you know we, we haven't gotten everything right this season Matt and and we've gotten a lot wrong probably when it comes to trying to protect these games and 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 make our picks on Thursdays and Fridays but 
if I was to carve out a clip from this season, I'd probably go back to Friday and us talking about, yeah, Mike White's probably going to come back to earth. I uh, may be a little bit overblown how well he's played some interceptions early and uh, he's got away with some of those. And Buffalo Bills, after a loss, just uh, coming in and crushing the New York Jets. And that's exactly what happened here, 45-17. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add. I mean, this wasn't competitive at all. You know, White threw four picks. Kind of who we thought Mike White was a couple weeks ago before we'd ever seen him play, and it certainly wasn't all his fault. They had no running game. Um, They got Elijah Moore and Corey Davis involved a little, but I'm really reaching for good things to say about the Jets. I mean, Allen was awesome in this game. They had some. They had a semblance of a running game. They, you know, did they turned the Jets over five times? I mean, enough said there because they're the more, more talented team. I mean, 9.1 yards per play for Buffalo in this game. I mean, just doing anything they wanted. And, I mean, it's kind of a fantasy nugget. It was nice to see Stephon Diggs blow up as we know he's possible. Yeah, it was a big play passing game for that Bills offense. And they just had their way, you know, whether they wanted to run the ball. Devin Singletary, six yards per carry. Um, Zach Moss, uh, they didn't have to run the ball a lot. They didn't try. They just chucked it on him. 13 Yards per throw for Josh Allen in this one, 366 yards and only 21 completions. So big plays there. A lot of them to Stephon Diggs, a 457-yarder, a 49-yarder to Gabriel Davis. On the other side, like the, and the Jets have some receiving talent. They're just, you know, they the do. quarterbacks aren't doing a good job, and their offensive line isn't doing a good job to allow those playmakers to make plays. We're definitely going to go back to Zach Wilson now. So that was, you know, it's a very easy transition back with a healthier Zach Wilson now and four interceptions from Mike White. So they can put Mike White back where he belongs as the backup quarterback. Michael Carter is not going to get it done, I don't think, as a running back, although the the offensive line has been banged up and not playing well in front of him. But, you know, he's a nice third down pass catching back. He had four catches for 43 yards, but he just hasn't gotten much going on the ground. They don't have much of a running game at all, which is, you know, in this Shanahan offshoot offense. That's what you need to do. So a lot of work to do for the New York Jets, and they got beat by a much better team here. They did. They did. And again, I'm reaching for optimistic straws here for the Jets, but maybe this time away, you know, works out well for for Wilson and the Jets figured some things out in his absence and he can go back to a slightly better environment than what was around him. The line's in a little better shape. Carter stepped up. Elijah Moore stepped up. I mean, I'm reaching. I mean, Buffalo's way better than them, and that was a pretty predictable outcome. Uh, let's get to Saints-Titans next, and that Lions-Steelers game. Yeah. I'm interested to ask you some questions about, and I actually do have one optimistic thing to say about the New York Jets coming oh. up. It's holiday season. Here comes Thanksgiving. I personally love Thanksgiving, all the food, getting together with family and friends. Uh, Those food and treats, though, plenty of them. Maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, now's the perfect time for Built Bars. You got to look after your health and your figure as well this time of year because things can go south pretty quickly. Built Bars here to help. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and have only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. New flavors coming all the time at Built.com. Some surprises all month, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar 
Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. What have you learned through the first half of the NFL season? You want to put that knowledge to use? Maybe make a little cash on the side? Well, BetOnline.ag is the perfect place to do it. New updated site and interface. More odds, props, contests than ever before. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. And you can bet on other things as well. We've got baseball playoffs going on. Basketball, hockey, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take an advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. And you can get a special bump with 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on. So go ahead over to your mobile device, website, desktop computer. You can access betonline.ag however you want. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Matt, how about this for the New York Jets? They beat the Tennessee Titans, who beat the Saints this week. Uh, Titans over Saints, 23-21. We missed that one. Titans favored by two and a half. They won by two there. Uh, 23-21, the 8-2 now Titans with the best resume in the AFC. One of those two losses was the New York Jets for the Titans. So um, True. The, the Jets can beat a good football team. We've seen them do that. And, and maybe that'll, you know, in the future, they'll win more of those football games. But... Right now, the Tennessee Titans are rolling, and um, the Saints are in purgatory. I don't know what to think about them. They still are holding on at 5-4 and four to that sixth seed in the NFC, but, man, um, there's so many bad teams behind them. I think they're going to hold on to a playoff spot, but I don't have a huge amount of confidence just because of you know the quarterback situation for the Saints that they're going to do anything when they get to the playoffs and if they're going to hold on to that playoff spot, even though there's a lot of other talent on the team. you know, Wide receiver, I'm worried about. Just that, that whole passing game in New Orleans. Uh, without question. And from what I saw of this, I saw a fair amount. Um, and I, I certainly will do more homework as the week goes on. This was a pretty ugly game. You know, that for a, a five-win team and now an eight-win team, A.J. <laughs> Brown was the only fantasy name of note, and he had one catch for 16 yards. I mean, the guys getting touches were Foreman and Swaim and Johnson and Harris and Ingram and Smith and Peterson and McNichols and you know, like all these guys that yeah. just aren't good football players or dangerous weapons. You know right. what I mean? If if before the season we said, All right, there's gonna be a team that wins a football game this year and the leading ball touchers on that field are gonna be Foreman, McNichols, Swaim. What team am I talking about? And you'd be like, I have <laughs> right, no idea right. who that is. <laughs> yeah, and even Ingram, I mean, who wasn't on either one of these teams to begin yeah, or, with. Or know, Adrian like, Peterson. Or Adrian Peterson. You know, and uh, you know, neither of the quarterbacks played great. Tennessee's pass rush was there again. Um, I don't have a lot of takeaways from this game. I mean, uh, I give the Titans all the credit in the world. Getting to eight wins and to eight and two at this stage is very impressive. I think the the coach quarterback combination is really figuring out what it takes to win in this league, what their team strengths are without Henry, without Julio. Um, I, I'm not certain how good either one of these teams is. And uh, Tennessee's a good team. I know that. But are they really a 
a Super Bowl contender is what I mean by them. And I'm with you on the Saints. I don't know if they're good, bad, or ugly. I have no idea. I mean, they're they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, the, the defenses were definitely better than the offenses in this yeah. one. The Saints did have an opportunity to go for two and, and tie that game and send it in overtime late, and they were unsuccessful there. But uh, I think really the story here is the Titans' defense, and they continue to come every week. And, and Harold Landry with 10 sacks on the year now, and Kevin Byard playing big-time ball, and Jeffrey Simmons a game wrecker, a couple of sacks, and, and he's been really good through this stretch of games for the Tennessee Titans. So that, that's where they're winning football games right now. Oh, without question. And again, I think they're a pretty well-coached team. I think Vrabel's in that conversation for coach of the year. Um, boy, I just want to pull up their schedule real t- real quick here for Tennessee. They go to New England next week, which is obviously going to be a very cha- very challenging game. But then they have a bye. They got the Jags. They come here to Pittsburgh. Then they got your Niners. Then they got the Dolphins. Then they go to Houston. Like one more loss, two more losses. I mean, they're they might be the the, the you know the one seed in the AFC. There's not much in their way. Colts Jaguars twenty three seventeen Indianapolis. Handling their business at home. Don't look out. Uh, look out for the Colts at five and five now on the season, climbing back into this thing, and uh, they do what they needed to do to beat uh, a Jaguars team. Not you know decisively, but they won. And Jonathan Taylor uh, putting up another huge game: twenty-one carries, one hundred and sixteen yards, and a touchdown. Michael Pittman, five catches, 71 yards. Carson Wentz, good enough. Didn't, you know, sling any touchdown passes, but didn't turn the ball over either. And that's the recipe for the Indianapolis Colts. Run the ball and don't throw any picks. Yeah, without question. And Taylor's really established himself as a star. I mean, is one of the best backs in the league, not just, boy, he has a bright future. He's going to be a good player type. Um, He's a real problem for opponents and clearly is a foundation of this team. Rightfully so. Um, the numbers don't really bear it out, but I thought over the last week or two, and I hesitate to say this cause I'm not on board with the head coach and guys like Jamal Agnew or the, the, the guys getting the ball left and right, <laughs> but I think Jacksonville's getting better. I mean, I think their defense is nearing respectability. I, I know Lawrence's numbers are not impressive. I mean, less than 50% completion, only 162 yards, but I think he looks better and better as I watch him, and we'll see where he lands on that Wednesday rookie draft chart. This is another one where before the season, if you said, uh, who's going to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars in rushing in Week 10? would be like, okay, well, they got Robinson, but they drafted a uh, first-round running back, and Carlos Hyde's there, and it's like, nope, it's Jamal Agnew, who used to be a cornerback, right? Or was he a wide receiver? I think so, he played yeah. a bunch of different positions that. earlier on in his career. And yeah, now he's a leading rusher with a 66 yard touchdown run there. James Robinson did get in the end zone, though. And Dan Arnold's a leading receiver, of course. Right, you know, who wasn't on the team obviously. halfway through the season. So, <laughs> right. And he's a, he does it every week. Uh, and there's too much receiving talent on this Jacksonville team, too. Like, just. Uh, it, they're, they're I don't not doing get what's good. going on with Chanel. That bothers me. I mean, I, maybe oh. he doesn't learn or isn't doing what he's supposed to do. But He was man, the guy, I, too, earlier on in the season with yeah. DJ Chark out and the, the way he was utilized in the preseason. He thought, okay, there's a million ways this guy can get the football. It's not happening. I, I In the offseason, if I were a GM, I'd call them up. Be like, hey, you want to give me Chanel for a fourth-round pick? You, yeah, I'll see what I can call. do with him. DJ Chark, too. I don't think they like DJ Chark. I got that no. vibe in the offseason. Um, no, I, so. I totally agree. You get them both. You get your uh, you get your yards after catch guy, and you get your downfield guy. All in yeah, the they're both still young, a lot of talent. 
Talk to me about this Lions-Steelers game. And, Matt, uh, you can't be the team that lets the Lions beat you, so at least the Steelers didn't lose this football game, although they very well could have if the Lions kicker could could make a kick and put it between the uprights. Uh, the Lions, though, will not go 0-17. They could go 0-16-1, though. They are now 0-8-1. The Steelers at 5-3-1. and A 16-16 tie, Matt. Is this game... I, I, I didn't watch a lot of it because I knew I didn't need to because I know you would, but the parts I saw of it, uh, I was not super enthralled by this football game. I will say this is about as difficult of a watch of a football game in the NFL that you will ever see. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was not good football. A a, a couple things, and this is going to sound like I'm making excuses for the Steelers. I absolutely am not. They They did not play well at all. As you know, Pitt and the Steelers share Heinz Field. Well, the Steelers played there Monday night. Pitt played North Carolina there Thursday. And the Steelers played there yesterday. So they had three games in seven days. And then the weather was awful. Mm -hmm. So the field was really bad. And especially outside the numbers, the weather and the wind and the precipitation and cold and all those things, even the playing field a little bit for Detroit. Like I always say that. That's why I'm, despite growing up in this area of the country, I don't like cold weather games because I think it gives the lesser talented team more of a chance than they deserve. You know, like, NFC championship game in Green Bay and if Aaron Rodgers can't throw it, well, that doesn't make me happy. Um, but the Lions didn't throw it. <laughs> they just ran down the Steelers, you know, da- down the, the, the Steelers' throats, you know, pretty much the majority of the game. Jared Goff had 11 passing yards at halftime and 35 after three quarters. It was fighting a back injury and has like the worst receivers in the league. And it took a while for the Steelers to really bow up and put a bunch of people in the box and say, beat me with the, your your arm. Swift had a big game. They allowed some big plays. Steelers turned the ball over three times for zero for Detroit. Two of them in overtime. Like how many turnovers in overtime do you get away with and still not lose the game? It's amazing. Um, you know, it, it was a pretty miserable performance. And I'm not excusing Mason Rudolph. He's flat out bad. I mean, he's a middle-of-the-road backup at best. And I've kind of thought that. He threw the ball really poorly. But he got thrown in the mix right at the end. Like, hey, Ben's got COVID. It's your show, son. And the weather stinks. And, you know, and they made and they had him throw 50 times. Like, both these teams finally just decided the only way that they can move the ball, or, or the only way the opponent can move the ball is by running it. But they still had Rudolph throw 50 times. I mean, just yeah. give it to Najee, even if there's 10 guys in the box. It's amazing. I saw that DeAndre Swift had 130 yards on the ground. I thought, okay, man, he must have had a really good game. And then you see, oh, but he carried it 33 times. He still had 3.9 yeah. yards per carry in this game. And look, Jared Goff's not a bad weather quarterback. So that's just all around a bad script Absolutely. for the Lions on the road and for the Steelers not to be able to take advantage and win that game. That's that's bad news for the Steelers here. Um Road, Rudolph Steelers schedule now gets really difficult too, and that's one they had to have. Yeah, they, they, you have to be. win that if you're the Steelers. Rudolph did not look great. Luckily, no. you will get Ben Roethlisberger back, most likely from COVID um, next week. I want to, but you touched on something there. They, it's almost there's got to be something put into place, and I know our colleague from 
Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, has talked about this, and he says that Thursday night games shouldn't happen unless they're after a bye because you can't play a game Sunday on a field and then come back and play again. And what you just laid out there with the bad weather on top of it, that's just dangerous. And then... There were a lot of injuries in this game. Too. Yeah, and T.J. Watt. Like, what, what's the yeah. story with T.J. Watt? Because that was scary. He looked like he was in pain, and that's a player that the Steelers cannot lose. Absolutely. And he, he sacks the quarterback and gets hurt on it, doesn't come back. Uh, it sounds like it's week to week, but we'll find out more. I'll let people know tomorrow. And, oh, by the way, they just traded Melvin Ingram, and the defensive line's really thin, and you know, guys like Bush aren't playing well, and uh, tackling was very poor. But no, I mean, injuries were a big facet of this game. I mean, for example, like the Lions, the Lions are running all over the Steelers. And then their right tackle gets hurt, and they get a bump Penny Sewell from guard to tackle. And they had a couple injuries, too. And Steelers lost Joe Hayden early. And I have to think the conditions in the field didn't help. Let's put it that way. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you do about it, but couldn't Pitt have played next week there? You know, right. you know what I mean? How about this? Note from Michael David Smith of PFT. TJ Watt's 70th career game, and he has 62 career sacks. It's second most ever in a player's first 70 games. One more than his brother, J.J. Watt, by the way. J.J.'s Ah. third on that list by one. He had 61 sacks in 70 games, as did Derek Thomas tied for third. TJ Watt, second all-time in 70 games with 62 sacks Number one, the only guy ahead of T.J. Watt for sacks in their first 70 games is Reggie White. With 79, he averaged more than a sack a game. That's how dominant Reggie White was. That's awesome. I didn't realize it was that degree. I definitely would have thought Big Brother had more in a short amount of stretch. But he's been absolutely awesome. They absolutely can't afford to miss him. Um, so the Steel- I mentioned the Steelers' remaining schedule. The Vikings at four and five are the only ones that don't have a winning record. And the Vikings are pretty good. You know, like they got four division games, you know, they're tough ones. I mean, it's, it's a brutal stretch. This might be the beginning of the end for my Steelers. Vikings with a big win over the chargers and uh, chargers getting close, Uh, you know, chargers. uh, It, you got to convince me, Chargers, because I I was behind you. I'm still behind you. Um, We're going to have to get to that game tomorrow because we're out of time here. Panthers, Cardinals, Eagles, Broncos, Packers, Seahawks, Raiders, Chiefs from Sunday Night Football, and we'll also break down Rams 49ers from Monday night. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Find me on Locked On 49ers. Find Matt at Locked On Dynasty Football. And check out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Matt and I back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson.